um, we have some really cute children in our church. Now, there are other children um, who are not featured in this video, but they also wanted to wish Happy Father's Day to all of you out there. Um, and also, we've got some grown-up children in our church whose dads I know are watching as well. So, Happy Father's Day to you. Um, and it's not just for the you know biological dads. It's for all the men out there who mentor um, the younger generation and who model for the younger gen generation what it means to be a good man. We really appreciate all of you, um, and you all make a big impact in our church and in your community. So thank you. And I want to have a special prayer for you now. Journey Father, we want to thank you for all the dads, for all of our fathers, um, whether they're still living or whether they've passed on. Um, we want to pray for all the men who have been there in our lives to show us what it means to be like you. Father, you have given these dads a very uh, important mission to raise the younger generation, whether they're their own children or whether they're children in the community, you've given them the mission of showing them what you are like, how you are full of love and wisdom and integrity. And so, Father, we just want to pray for all the men out there who are doing their best to be that good example. Um, and we just want to pray for your Holy Spirit to continue to give them strength and wisdom as they make difficult decisions every day, to give them courage to stand for what is right, to be an example to the younger generation of what it means to uh, follow you and to forge that path for them to follow. And so, Father, continue to guide them and bless them. And we really are so blessed by all the men in our church and our community um, who provide that example for us. And we just pray that you would keep them healthy and well. And may this uh, new year, um, another year, I should say, um, be one where they feel really appreciated and loved. Um, and, Father, we just pray that, um, as, as I shared now, um, about the little things that we would learn how to I'll say thank you for the little things. I pray in your son's name. Amen. Good morning. I hope you're all doing well. Um, it's been a really tough week for our family this week because as Roy mentioned, he had his final paper due. So it was a very busy time for us all trying to, you know, um, squeeze in extra time somewhere in the 24 hours each day to get everything done. Um, but yeah, we're looking forward to hopefully a good, good news tomorrow, uh, maybe. And if not, at least, you know, we know that the end is coming near, um, that, um, yeah, there's always hope for the future. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Um, I hope you have a really great weekend, feeling appreciated and, and blessed. You know, great men make such a world of difference in the lives of young people. And this week, I've been reading about um, the tributes for Chadwick Boseman, the American actor who died at age 43 of colon cancer. And his death was so shocking for many people because he kept his four-year battle with cancer private. And so none of us knew that during this, you know, the, these past four years, he's filmed seven movies and some of them, you know, very demanding roles that even the most healthy men would find difficult um, and challenging and and yet somehow he filmed them all without anyone knowing that he was battling his colon cancer and when the death the news of his death came out um, young fans of his role as king t'challa in black panther were mourning his death all over the world and he meant so much to them because while his role was fictional what he represented gave them a hero and inspired them to believe that one day they could also be as strong and as influential. And, you know, Bozeman understood his impact in the lives of these young children, and he actually volunteered a lot of his time uh, for the children um, 
even to his dying days, making sure that these children, um, you know, were cared for. He visited the hospital and spent a lot of time with children who were um, diagnosed with cancer. And of course, no one knew at the time that he also was battling it himself, but um, he tried to brighten their lives. And um, I was reading about how, you know, one of the last things he did was to um, send a package to one of the cancer, the children with cancer and try to make their lives um, a little bit better. Bozeman understood um, that it's the little things that matter. You know, as I was listening to the various tributes by his friends and fellow actors and even former President um, Barack Obama, I noticed that most of the people who knew him talked about the little things that he had done that made a big difference. How he was calm and kind, how he had this warm laugh, um, and how present he was. Memories of those small moments. Actor and friend Josh Gad Sheridan Tudor twittered Boisman's last text to him. And this is what um, Chadwick Boisman had written to Josh. If you are in Los Angeles, you woke up this morning to the rare and peaceful sound of a steady precipitation. If you're like me, maybe you looked at the week's forecast and found that it's supposed to rain for three days straight. Great, we're stuck inside these quarantines because of COVID, and now we can't get no sun in Cali. Come on now. But now that the rain has stopped and today's storm has cleared, I urge you to go outside and take a deep breath. Notice how fresh the air is right now after our skies have had a three-week break from the usual relentless barrage of fumes from bumper-to-bumper LA commuters. And now, today's rain has given the City of Angels a long overdue and much-needed shower. Inhale and exhale this moment, and thank God for the unique beauties and wonders of this day. We should take advantage of every moment we can to enjoy the simplicity of God's creation, whether it be clear skies and sun or clouded over with gloom. You know, with death before him, Chadwick Boseman appreciated the little things. He understood that it's the little things that matter. And he was trying to help others to do the same. But for many of us, we're just too busy, too jaded, too focused on our own agendas to notice the little things, to have those small moments that create memories and cause an impact which we might not even realize the full potential of until much later. It's the little things that matter. You know, these days, Facebook discourages me so much that I try not to go on it too much. Every time I go on it, I regret it. But this week, I saw something on Facebook. Um, the link said 19, um, 19 stories that prove that the world is full of good people. And I was like, yes, please. I desperately need that reminder. And so I clicked on it. And here are some of the, my favorite stories from the 19. A delivery man who covered the package on a rainy day. A little boy who let a tired mom rest and used his hand for her head. A man who marked out on a small football field so his blind friend could know what was going down on the actual field. A customer at a Waffle House who saw the overwhelmed employee and got up and did all the dishes. Residents of a city in California who queue up every morning to buy all the donuts from the cafe owner so that he can go home early to his sick wife. It's the little things that matter. You know, none of these people cured cancer or ran an orphanage, but they did something kind for one person, something that any one of us can do. doesn't require skill or age or background. They did it all not for praise or for reciprocation, but simply because they had compassion, empathy, and care and concern for someone else. We don't have to be superheroes or celebrities to make an impact. We don't have to wait until we have more money, more time, more opportunity. 
this pandemic and this lockdown can really make us feel helpless, you know, because we're limited by how, how far we can travel or who we can see or what we can do. But we can still do the little things that make a difference. Checking in with someone to see how they're going. Praying for somebody. Sharing a funny joke. We all need a laugh these days. Giving affirmation and encouragement. It's the little things that matter right now more than ever. And we may never know the full impact of these things. There once was a boy who lived by the sea. Sometimes he would help his father with the fishing or his mother with the gardening. But this day, while he was eating breakfast with his parents, he heard them talking about a man named Jesus who healed the sick and taught the poor. Was he a prophet? Was he a rabbi? Could he be the long-awaited Messiah? And the little boy heard his, his, his mother talk about how the, the, um, there was a rumor that Jesus was coming to, um, to a town near them and to the mountains near them. And there was a rumor that the neighbors were going to all go and try to find him. And he heard the mother sigh. I wish I could go see him. You know, ever since John the Baptist was beheaded, it feels like God has left us. I wish I could go see him, but I have so much to do today. I simply can't go. And he heard his father say, if I were a rich man, I could take the day off and go see Jesus, but I have a family to feed, so I have to go to work. And suddenly the boy burst out, oh, please, may I go? I promise I'm going to do all the chores before I go, and I promise when I come back, I'll help you, Dad, you know, wash the fishing nets. Please, 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 may I go? And I imagine that the mom looked at the dad. They made eye contact. Parents have this kind of Without words, they know. And the dad nodded to the little boy and said, okay, you may go, but make sure you stay close to your neighbors. And I imagine the mom smiling as she packed a basket lunch for him, five loaves and two fishes. And the little boy, in great excitement, took the basket in hand, bare feet, and followed his neighbors on the long journey to the mountains of Galilee. That's how I imagine the story. And we pick up the actual account in John chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. Sometime after this, Jesus Christ crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? How did Andrew know about this little boy? How did he know what was inside his basket? I imagine that the little boy had traveled this long way, had finally met Jesus, had seen him uh, healing the sick and, and teaching the people. And, and as the little boy's stomach rumbled, he thought, oh, I've got my basket lunch. But he looked at Jesus and he thought, well, Jesus has been working so hard. He must be hungry too. And I imagine the little boy decided he was going to share his lunch with Jesus. So he kind of looked for the least scary-looking disciple. And I think Andrew looked the kindest and most approachable. So the little boy went up, tugged on his you know, cloak and said, Excuse me, I'd like to give this lunch to Jesus. And imagine Andrew kind of held on to it, wondering, what do I do with this? And of course, Jesus asked the question, Hey, 
Let's feed. Let's feed this crowd. And Andrew sheepishly says, "Well, all we've got is this basket. All we've got is just five barley loaves and two small fish. You know, barley was actually poor people's food. It was usually fed to animals, and usually people ate bread made from wheat. So the fact that this boy had barley loaves, it it means he came from a poor family, a family that had just enough for everyone to to eat and survive." And the two small fish were probably salted and and dried, and it was kind of like a little relish to be eaten with the bread. This boy is not used to eating to the full. People in those days they didn't have a lot, and so they all ate just enough to get by. But the little boy, as hungry as he was, decided to give all that he had to Jesus, and for Jesus that was more than enough. Let's continue to stories to see what happened. Jesus said, "Have the people sit down." And there was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About five thousand men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, "Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted." So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. The boy would have looked at the, this miracle, right? He would have been amazed to watch his little pieces of bread and fish being multiplied in the hands of Jesus. Can you imagine? There he was offering it up for Jesus, thinking that Jesus will eat it, little imagining that Jesus was going to t- turn this little offering and feed a multitude of thousands of people. And not only that, you know, for the first time in probably their lives, they ate till they were full. And they had leftovers. That never happened. And Jesus says, "Let nothing be wasted." Right? He says it's the little things that matter. Jesus says, "Let all the scraps be collected." And there were actually twelve baskets of leftovers. So this little boy now has a whole basket that he's able to to fill up and take back to his hometown. I bet he couldn't wait to go back and tell his family, "Look, look what Jesus did with my little basket." And I, I wonder if his mom and dad wished, as, as they heard the story, I wish I had been there. I wish I could have seen that. You know, when the crowd witnessed this miracle, they misunderstood its significance. It says in John chapter six, verse fourteen and fifteen, after the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, "Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world." Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force. Withdrew again to a mountain by himself. You see, the 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 crowd as they're eating this bread, as they're um, as they're taking part of this miracle, they recognize that there's a parallel that's happening between what Jesus has just done and what had happened many years before. In 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 the passage, it says that the Jewish Uh, Passover festival was near, and during Passover,、um, it was a time where they celebrated what happened many, many years before, when the Israelites came out of Egypt and they were traveling through the wilderness. And when they grumbled, you know, that there wasn't enough food, there wasn't enough、um, sustenance, and where was they? Where were they going to find it? You know, Moses had had prayed to the to God, and God had actually sent them bread from heaven called manna. Every single day for the entire journey, God sent them this bread from heaven, and Moses had prophesied that there would be a prophet that would come in the future that would be greater than him, 
And so as the people are eating this miracle bread that Jesus provided, they're thinking about that passage. They're thinking about what happened at Passover. Um, and they're thinking about, hey, this is the prophet that Moses has promised to us. This is the Messiah. So they're super excited. Um, in, in the um, commentary that I was reading, the NIV application commentary in the book of John, it shows the echoes of the story of the experience of the Israelites from Numbers. And then here in John, there's so many echoes that, that show um, how there's so many, much parallel and that this is the Messiah that Moses was prophesying. And so the crowd is super excited and they're thinking, you know what? We're going to make him king. We're going we're gonna to forcefully take him and make him the king of Israel. Because they thought that Jesus meeting their physical need was all they needed right here's here's a man who can provide miracles and can you imagine having a king who can provide unlimited food for his people unlimited food for the army and they thought israel is going to be a great nation again we're going to be a powerful kingdom again and we're going to get those romans uh, soldiers who are who have colonized our land we're going to get them out of here so they tried to make jesus forcefully you know drag him to jerusalem to make him king but jesus withdraws and when Jesus withdraws, they're looking for him. And the crowd actually spent a few days looking for him. And when they finally find him, they show that they've completely missed the point. Because it's the little things that matter. But they have these big, grandiose plans in mind. Look at what uh, they go on to say in John chapter 6, verses 24 and onwards. Once the crowd realizes that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boat and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see and believe you? What will you do? So already they're saying, hey, what you've done, not enough. We want something bigger. We want a greater sign. We want more. What sign will you give us? Give us something huge. But instead of giving them a big performance, Jesus says this to them in response. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. You see, we want big miracles. We want undeniable proof that God is present, that He is powerful, that He is loving. But Jesus says, it's my words that matter. To us, the Bible seems so ordinary, so small, so insufficient. We look at the Bible and we think like the disciples, this isn't enough to feed the multitude, to satisfy the lingering questions and their spiritual needs and their skepticism. How far will this go among so many? How far will this go in 2020? And so we neglect it. We put it off to read later or tomorrow or some other time. And we forget that this book, this Bible that looks so ordinary is actually a result of a miracle. How God inspired nearly 40 writers from three continents throughout 2,000 years to write 66 books that were transcribed and copied and translated in remarkable unity and consistency to give us what we have today. How his disciples around the world in the past two millennia have distributed this bread of life to billions of people around the world in nearly 700 languages and they're still left over. It is still enough to satisfy us and to give us enough to share with others. So that we can still pray, give us this day our daily bread, and trust that God will provide abundantly. It's the little things that matter. 
Before Jesus began his public ministry, Satan tempted him in the wilderness, and the very first temptation was a temptation to prove himself. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, that's how temptations work. It's, it's that little thing, you know? What's the big deal? of, you know, Jesus is hungry. He's been in the wilderness for a long time. What's the big deal of turning these little, you know, stones into bread? It's not hurting, hurting anyone. But it's the way that temptation was phrased when Satan said, if you are the son of God, right? That temptation to prove himself. He says, if, and, and that same small seed of doubt is, is placed in our heads, in our minds, you know, if I am the child of God, why am I in the wilderness? If I am the child of God, why am I suffering? Why am I in need? Why, why is this happening, right? That temptation to make God prove himself instead of trusting in his words. Satan wanted Jesus to, to prove his powers, to feel, to feel entitled to this miracle. But Jesus resisted the temptation, recognizing that subtle insinuation that God's word is not enough. You know, sometimes big temptations are easier to overcome because, you know, if someone comes along and says, you know, murder this person, well, no, you know, it's pretty obvious that that's the wrong thing to do. And when there are big temptations and we say, no, we feel pretty good about ourselves. But it's the little things, the little lies, the unkind thoughts, postponing personal time with God until a more convenient time. It's these small temptations that are hard to resist. And even when we have said no to them, there's no big sense of relief. There's no sky writing that says, well done. And there's no immediate reward. So we are not as motivated to keep doing the right thing. But it's the little things that matter. Jesus fought his temptation with the words, it is written. And rather than using, you know, supernatural powers or arguments, he just said, it is written. Let's go back to the word. Let's go back to the little things. And we have the same access to that bread of life today to resist our temptations, small and great. We've been in various stages of lockdown um, now for, for five, almost six months. And it's the little things that we miss, right? Worshiping together, eating together, hugging each other, seeing faces without masks. And it's in this lockdown, it's the little things that irk us, right? The dirty dishes, the little daily habits of those that we're living with, <laughs> the weather, it's, it's the little things that irk us. Little things can make or break our day. So we have a choice in how the rest of this week, this month, this year plays out. Will we be faithful in the little things? Can we give a little of our time to someone in our day? Can we share a little bit of what we have with someone in need? Can we forgive the little things that irk us about the situation or about the people that we find ourselves with? Can we create a little space for God? The Christian writer Ellen White expressed it in this way. She said, the importance of the little things is often underrated because they are small, but they supply much of the actual discipline of life. There are really no non-essentials in the Christian's life. However small your talent, God has a place for it. That one talent wisely used will accomplish its appointed work. By faithfulness and little duties, we are to work on the plan of addition, and God will work for us on the plan of multiplication. These littles will become the most precious influences in his work. I like that phrase, that we add, 
but God multiplies. We give, God transforms. We share, and God blesses. That little boy who shared his lunch had no idea that his story and the miracle that it resulted in was going to be shared. And it's one of the few stories that are found in all four gospel books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He had no idea that it was going to feed thousands of people that day, but also give inspiration to billions of people later on as they read this story. He had no idea that his little act mattered so much, but it became one of the greatest miracles. Because in God's hands, little acts of faith are small expressions of love can become miracles. What will people remember about us? It's going to be the little things, the little things that made a big difference, and the memories that we create with people in little ways later on will realize were seeds that blossomed and grew into, you know, the, Jesus says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, it can, it, can, it can make a huge impact. It can move mountains because that little seed becomes a huge tree. And so I want to encourage you this week that it's the little things that matter, that little time with God, that little act for someone else. And I pray that God will help us all to be faithful in the little things. Please join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, it's easy to forget about the little things and to grow discouraged by the situation that we're in. But help us to remember, Father, the potential of the little things to find the little moments each day, to create joy, to create meaning, to create impact by being kind, by forgiving, and by spending time with you. And I pray, Father, that as we do these little things, we'll realize actually how significant they really are. And that, Father, as a result, our lives will leave a legacy that will be meaningful to those around us, to the generations to come. And that, Father God, we would be able to hear your word saying, well done, faithful servant, come into the joy of your father. And so, Father, we look forward to being able to to offer you whatever we have, as small as it may be, may we give you all of ourselves. We pray in your son's name. Amen.